We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is uh, Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky, and I have with me Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. Yes, almost a doctor. <laughs> almost a doctor. Almost is the key word there, John. <laughs> almost. But it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Hopefully, a year from now, we will be able to say doctor. Lord Matthew will. Clark. You know, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Lynn set a, a standard for us for jokes this year. <laughs> and I, I just, it's going to be hard for us to keep up with the, the Shirley Goodnest and Marcy. <laughs> She'll follow me. But, but I have a few here. I have a few I think that might. So just you, you tell me whether these are on the same level as, okay. as that joke we had. What did the policeman say to his belly button? We're off to a great start, aren't we, John? I can't imagine the punchline. What, what did the policeman say to his belly button, John? Uh, you're under a vest. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. yeah. This, is a, this yeah. is a classic. This is a yeah. classic. All right. All but right. you know what? What's, what's brown and sticky? What's brown and sticky? <laughs> I think I know, but I'm going to ask you, no, John, no, what is brown and yes, sticky? Yes, yes. But what is, is brown it, and sticky? Come here, you know a, this one. A stick? It is a stick. <laughs> that, that, that I like is, that one too. <laughs> that, is, that is a classic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when does, uh, now here's one for you as a father. When does a joke turn into a dad joke? Ooh, I don't know. When is When does a joke turn into a dad joke? When, when it becomes apparent. When it becomes apparent. No, no. I'm going to share that with my daughter. She loves there the dad jokes. She, love she doesn't one. admit to it, but our 15 year old loves <laughs> no. the dad jokes. You you can't admit to it. No, no, they don't want to encourage that. But inside they are laughing. Oh, I'm. I and, okay, know it one, every time. One, one, one more here. Why why are teddy bears never hungry? Why are I teddy know, bears John. never hungry? Why aren't they? Because they're they're always stuffed. <laughs> they're always stuffed. Oh, and. And I have to have, I have to have, I'm sorry, I have to have two more. I'm just looking over the list here. <laughs> why, why do seagulls, why, why do seagulls live by the sea? Because if they live by the bay, they would be bagels. Oh, you know that one. I know oh, that good. one. And it's a good one. I like it. It's good. <laughs> it's a good one. I'd never heard that one. And here's one for, for you know, I'm an organist. I'm a music lover. So here's one for all the music lovers who, who listen to our show. What do music and chickens what do music and chickens have in common? I have no idea. <laughs> bok, bok, bok. <laughs> bok is rolling over in his grave at that one, John. <laughs> he is. He is. Oh, that's the other one, of course. Oh, we'll, we'll do that another roll, time. Roll Remind me to me. tell you the joke about Bach in his grave. But, but we need to get on to something yeah. more worthwhile well, the, here. The good news is, uh, John, you know, in 2023, yeah. the jokes can only get better, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so keep it's listening. It's got to folks. improve. Don't give up on us. You're resting with the basics. 
That's right. So we're talking about sons. We're talking about sons. And you are a parent, and I am a parent. Uh, and that's why our jokes are horrible. But but uh, we talked about Absalom, who was the son of David, who was obviously just a bad, a bad seed, just a bad seed, you know, leading a rebellion against his father. And then you were telling us, though, about the good son. You know Solomon, the son who who wanted wisdom, and he he wants to fulfill his dad's dream. His dad's dream was to build the temple, and Dad, I'm going to do that for him. I'm going to build the temple. So, so what what else did you want to tell us about Solomon, the son of David? Yep. So far, so good, right? Uh, yeah, wisdom um, and the writing of three different books of the Bible, at least much of those books, right? And we have those neat accounts where Solomon demonstrates his wisdom before the Queen of Sheba, even who comes to visit him. His wisdom so famous. Um, how he de- how he also decides that one case. Remember between the two mothers, the two prostitutes, oh, yeah. one baby had died and uh, the other one was still living, and they they. They each claim that the, the one living baby was theirs. And remember, David says, well, divide the child in two. Oh, that doesn't sound very wise until the, the mom whose child it really was protests and says, no, don't kill the child. Just give her to the uh, give the child to the other woman. And of course, then Solomon determines that's the real mother. You know, wow, what a wise decision. So, so far, so good. Um, we marvel at his wisdom, I think. Uh, and rightly so, that God give him wisdom. Remember, as the Lord says, you ask for whatever you want, and he asks for an understanding heart. Um, but then Solomon does something stupid. <laughs> um, he's really? Still, yeah, yeah. He's still an imperfect He followed my son. model? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Matt, that, that's my daily goal. Every day I want to do at least one stupid thing, because I like to set goals that I can achieve. <laughs> so <laughs> Set the bar yeah. low. Um, so Solomon, even all of his wisdom and, you know, really at the height of his reign, again, Israel, bigger, better, richer than it's ever been in its entire history ever would be, um, still is imperfect. So we have uh, a description of what takes place here. Really, it seems to be at the, the apex, right, of, of Solomon's reign. We hear about that in First Kings chapter 11. And if you could read verses 1 through 8, John, as we hear this account of of what Solomon does next. Yep, and thank you for having all the difficult words in there, too. I appreciate that, Matt. Yeah, you you (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You get to read about concubines. Now, now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. 
Then Solomon built a high place for Shamash, the abominations of Moab, and for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Thanks, John. Yeah, lots of, yes, difficult words, but well worth reading, because I think we can really learn from these words here in Scripture. And really, when you think about this, these are some of the saddest words in Scripture. You know, here is, yeah. again, Solomon, the Lord's chosen guy to be king, uh, you know, the wisdom that God blessed him with, and even still, it, it, it's clear he turns away. Uh, again, verse four, for when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. His heart was turned away from the Lord. Oh, you know, how, how sad. But what happens is he has these 700 wives, 300 concubines. And, you know, uh, granted, most of these marriages are probably political ones in nature, right? Political alliances with surrounding nations. We even hear those nations listed off. But but even still, that's not okay. This is not a case for polygamy, multiple spouses. No, that's that's still not God's intention even there. Um, Solomon is, is doing wrong. No, God's model for marriage from the beginning, one man and one woman like Adam and Eve. So even there, Solomon's going off the rails. Uh, but in addition to that, his wives, again, turn his heart to other gods and then enlist some of those other gods, even by name. I think that's kind of interesting. And maybe one of the reasons the text does this is because these are some of the worst of the foreign gods. I mean, no, no, no idol worship is good, right? But uh, even still, these are some of the worst of the worst. He, he worships uh, Asherah here, the, the goddess of the Canaanites, kind of the, the consort of Baal. And then, oh, then this Milcom, who's mentioned here, otherwise known as Molech, the god of the Ammonites, uh, really a bad one. That's an idol, a statue that people would actually sacrifice their very own children to. Um, and you wonder if Solomon even did that himself, sacrificed some of his children uh, to this idol. So, yeah, it's clear, you know, Solomon, it, it seems from what's been revealed here, you know, turns away from the Lord. Um, so just I, I, I noticed, Matt, I, I noticed, Matt, that the word abomination is repeated yeah. three times yeah. there. And that obviously yeah. emphasizes just what you said, that this isn't just not idol worship, but these are people that do the exact opposite of what God has commanded his people to do. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is uh, just not some benign, you know, Oh, it's not so bad type thing, or, you know, just add a little worship of false gods to the worship of the true God. No, this is, <laughs> that's bad in and of itself. Um, this is an abomination to follow anyone, to break the first commandment, to follow anyone other than the true God. And then, you know, the, the worship of these false gods in particular, especially detestable, uh, the sacrifice of children even, oh, you know, just evil. So, you know, again, you know, we ended our, our episode yesterday by you asking, well, what does this have to do with us? And and we always want to ask that, I think, you know, anytime we hear God's word and uh, listen to wrestling the basics, or even a sermon, what is, how does this apply to me? Um, and I think because because obviously, Matt, I don't have seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. <laughs> okay, so if that's the problem here, it uh, doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good just to take care of one wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, and the Lord's bless us with wonderful God fearing women, you know, who aren't leading us astray into worship yeah, other, yeah, other yeah, exactly. That's a good analogy. Yeah, oh, yeah. How important get that yourself is a good wife. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Have a faithful spouse. 
Um, but what, what we can learn here is, oh, if Solomon of all people, the one who had this wisdom, the one who was God's chosen one to be king of Israel, if he of all people can be turned away, uh, well, guess what? <laughs> so can we. Uh, we can turn away from the Lord too. We have that ability to to turn away from the Lord, to to close our ears to His Word, to chase after other false gods, whether they're literal idols or false religions, or maybe it's just other things that we love it more and trust in more than God Himself. You know, if Solomon can be turned away from the God, boy, you know, so could we. So could we. You know, so I think one thing to learn here is just to to heed this warning, to to not pridefully think that we're immune to sin or that we're immune from maybe, um, you know, even turning away from God. You know, that we don't need to come to worship. We don't need Bible study. We don't need whatever. Um, we're immune to it. Or or maybe that we're immune from certain sins in our life. You know, my my marriage is, is you know, is, is hunky-dory. You know, there's no way I would ever be unfaithful to my spouse or ever have an affair with my wife or, or you know, um, there's no way, you know, that I would ever let money or my job get in, get in the way of God or, or be, be put above him. You know, we, we sometimes think about those things, you know, after all, I'm listening to wrestling the basics on KFU radio, I'm a good <laughs> Christian. Uh, there's no way I would fall to these sins. Um, when any time that we think those things, boy, um, yeah, remember Solomon. <laughs> in the back of your mind, you know, if Solomon can be led astray and, and sin greatly, uh, we can be led astray. We can sin greatly too. Um, so I think the the thing to to learn from Solomon, one of the things to take away is, you know, avoid pride. Uh, avoid pride in thinking that uh, that that if we're somehow immune to sin. You know, Matt, the, the thing that strikes me is how the, the heart, the heart is mentioned repeatedly and his wives turned yeah. away his heart. And, yeah. and in fact, the, the reason why you don't enter into marriage, the Lord had said, was because they will turn your heart after their other gods. And, and his heart was not like the heart of his uh, David the Father, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord the God. Uh, and, and you had the heart passage from, uh, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, the, the heart passage of Jesus, out of the heart yeah. comes, and he, he yeah. lists all these yeah. these possible things. Um, and, and the realization that, that that's, that's true of all of us. Um, we, we may be good at keeping external things uh, under control. Uh, I have been, I've never been unfaithful. I've never slept with another woman. Uh, but... But, you know, the lust, the heart, it, it's still there. I, I cannot claim that I haven't looked at another woman and said, va, va, voom, uh, or whatever you young people say nowadays. <laughs> so, and, and that's the realization that, that even if we could, even if we could say we've kept the externals under control, uh, the fact of the matter is that that sinfulness is still part of our lives. And, and, and I think what happens is, is Lord says, oh, yeah, yeah, you've got that under control, do you? <laughs> and then, then he just he, he puts us to the test and, and we begin to see that, uh, no, no, those sins are, are still a reality. Um, and, and for me particularly, I guess the thing that he always tests me, uh, not so much about the, uh, the whole sexual thing like we have here with King Solomon, because uh, I'm an old guy, and and that really does change as you get older, Matt. But but uh, the the whole trust thing, I think that's the thing he's always testing me with. How quickly it is for me to uh, doubt.
that he's going to take care of me or resolve whatever the issue might be, whether it be something small or large. Uh, and that's okay. That's a good thing, like you said, because I think pride is – well, consider the Pharisees, Matt. Don't you see their, their big problem? that they, they didn't do a lot of mean, nasty things, at least, uh, that you could – say for sure we Mm -hmm. think they Mm -hmm. probably did do a lot of things in the background with widows uh uh mites and their 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 money and what have you but but anyway now i'm rambling but the point is is they were proud of that and that that would lead to their downfall yes and it's a great i think it's a great illustration is when it comes to the jesus then when he arrives on the scene um, some people reject him, right? And among those are Pharisees and others who would be the very people, boy, they should recognize this is the Messiah. But, you know, their pride, I think, blinds them. And perhaps, you know, again, you know, they think Solomon and, and oh boy, uh, maybe, you know, he would be immune to, to falling away from the Lord. Well, maybe a Pharisee would be too. Well, no, it's, it's that problem of pride. And to realize, no, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all have those sinful hearts. And that's what Jesus points out in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, that, oh, yeah, we haven't committed adultery. Well, guess what? You've lusted. Well, you haven't murdered. Well, maybe you haven't taken someone's life. But guess what? You've maybe harbored anger against someone. That's that's breaking the fifth commandment, too. You know, Jesus leaves us without, <laughs> he strips away that pride from us and leaves us uh, bare as the sinners with the evil hearts that we truly are. And so we see, well, we, we need a savior then. We need a savior from sin. Um, we, we don't look to ourselves or trust in ourselves. We need a savior. We need a S- Solomon's son, <laughs> the perfect son, who is going to come uh, from Solomon's line, Jesus Christ. Um, you know, one of the one of the stories that came to my mind when I was uh, preparing the sermon was um, John Bradford. Um, he was uh, a pastor, a Protestant pastor, late 1500s uh, in England. So it goes back a while. Um, uh, Radford, you know, for all the things that he did in his life, he, he's known for one famous quote in particular. Uh, he, the story goes, he saw a, a criminal being led to, to execution for their crimes. You know, someone who was clearly a criminal going away to be executed. And Bradford pointed to the guy and said, uh, there, but for the grace of God, uh, goes John Bradford. <laughs> Um, you know, sometimes we hear people say that right there, but for the grace of God, go I. Uh, that's that's where that that line comes from originally, at least. I I did not know that. I yeah, did not so, know that. Man. Yeah, kind yeah. of a neat background. You know, it's kind of become almost yeah. a cliche or just something we say now. But yeah, apparently originated with John Bradford, um, and and I think you know he he knew that he was no better, no less immune to sin than that condemned guy going to be executed. Uh, but for the grace of God, go I. And I mean, that really is the truth. It's, it's, it's all about the grace of God and that grace of God shown most powerfully in sending his son, the perfect son, the perfect descendant of David, descendant of Solomon, a Jesus Christ uh, to be our savior. Uh, you know, speak, you know, talking about wisdom, that's where real wisdom is. Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. Uh, Paul talks about that in multiple places, but in 1 Corinthians, he talks about Jesus being the power of God and the wisdom, the wisdom of God. There's there's true wisdom. Um, that descendant of Bathsheba and David and Solomon uh, is the only one whose heart never turned aside, right? We're talking about being turned aside to other gods, that's that's the word that's used, the wording that's used there in First Kings that we looked at. And 
Jesus is the only one who never turned aside, uh, never turned aside from the will of his father. Uh, you know, didn't turn aside when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, didn't turn aside when he was ridiculed by Pharisees and others, uh, or when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and such anguish, still didn't even turn aside then. Uh, didn't turn aside when he was on the cross itself, but willingly died, doing his father's will, remaining faithful, didn't turn away. Um, he did what we can't do. And again, but for the grace of God, <laughs> shown in Jesus Christ, the only one who never turned aside, uh, but for him go I. And and that's that's what we recognize. Whether we're Solomon and with his wisdom, or whether we're a couple guys on resume the basics or whoever we are, uh, you know, it's not about us. Uh, we're not immune to sin. No, it's but for the grace of God shown in Jesus, uh, go us. And and Matt, you know, you you had those passages from Paul that that were Christ is is the wisdom, and 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 that's always been my contention. We 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 tend to praise Solomon for his choice. Oh, give me yeah. this understanding, yeah. but but see, that's the problem. He wasn't looking for the wisdom of Christ. He was looking for an understanding, a human wisdom, an earthly thing. Uh, and uh, he, what he should have prayed for, what he should have prayed for, is what we all should pray for: is faith. Uh, which is the realization, yeah, we, we are sinners. Uh, we are, of course, forgiven sinners. And, and and in that forgiveness, we do remarkable things, surprising, shocking things, actually, considering what is in our heart uh, in terms of love and care and, and, and uh, trust. But but again, that, that all comes from outside of us. That's not something that God has, uh, you know, no, we, we're still in the same sinful flesh, but but we can go all the way back to what we had a few weeks ago, uh, this picture in the Psalm, uh, Psalm 23, that that despite our sinfulness, there is this God uh, who has goodness and who has the uh, has said, uh, we, we love that word in the Old Testament, uh, translated mercy, kindness, but best of all, probably steadfast love, that he's just coming after us. Uh, and, and if we know that, then, then we'll repent. When we, I'm not saying we should do wrong. No, no, we need to recognize the wrong, repent of the wrong, but then understand, okay, the Lord's still with us, and the Lord's going to forgive us, and the Lord somehow can take that and and uh, make it work for good, uh, which, you know, he does. And we see that story over and over again in the stories we've had of all of these kings of Israel uh, but but it has to come from that. It has to come from faith. It doesn't come from them. It doesn't come from their efforts of trying to be good, because uh, none of us can be good uh, apart from what you talked about, apart from the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. That's the focus, you know, not on how good of a person we are, not how wise we are, not how immune to sin we might think we are. Uh, instead, yeah, we fix our eyes on Solomon's son, that perfect son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we focus on the one whose whose birth we just celebrated, the one who's laid in the manger for us. And, uh, you know, we confess before Jesus saying, but for your grace, Jesus, uh, go I. Uh, that's who we fix our eyes on. Uh, we, uh, in our Advent sermons and uh, services, we end with an evening hymn usually most times. And one of the evening hymns we ended with was uh, Abide With Me. Um, not an Advent hymn, but an evening hymn. And I, I love that second stanza where it just says, I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Um, I, I love that recognition. Again, not looking to ourselves, our own wisdom, or how good we are. Uh, no, it's not a thing of pride, but 
it's a thing of, of faith, like you said, John, and realizing that we need the Lord's presence every passing hour of every passing day. Uh, that's the only thing that's going to foil the devil's power, um, you know, fixing our eyes on him, uh, trusting his presence uh, and his grace. And, and, and we're here at, at Wrestling with the Basics to remind people weekly that he is with us, and he is with us in his grace, and he is with us in his mercy and his steadfast love and his forgiveness. And, and, and you know what? There's not a thing you can do to stop him from being with you in all of those things, uh, because it's not about us, but it is his very nature uh, to be that way. Well, Matt, thank you again. Uh, this has been... Wrestling, Wrestling with the basics. With the basics.